The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're speaking with Dr. Mona Morstein, who is a naturopathic physician with a medical practice focusing in integrative diabetes treatment. We're discussing her new book, Master Your Diabetes, an integrative comprehensive approach to for, bi- sorry, for both type 1 and type 2 diabetes. So, Mona, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Rebecca. Uh, just to clarify, it's a comprehensive, integrative <laughs> approach for both type 1 and type 2 diabetes. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, so... Um uh, yeah, so so welcome. You know, when I booked this show, I didn't realize the irony of what it would be, but it is Canadian Thanksgiving today, and um, everybody's at home, of course, um, feeding themselves um, with sugar and pie and uh, all those well, delicious things, and we're going to bring their awareness to uh, to what they're doing to themselves, I guess. Well, hopefully they're having lots of turkey, too. <laughs> Yeah, just to balance that out a bit. So, um, what what inspired you to to write this book? Well, you know, Rebecca, I've been involved serious. I've been in practice about twenty nine years or so, and I've been seriously involved in diabetes for about twenty five of those. And um, I started out me- being mentored by Dr. Richard Bernstein, who wrote the book Dr. Bernstein's Diabetes Solution. And, of course, that got all of us introduced to the low-carb diet for diabetes and also how to specifically dose insulin for those patients who need it, you know, really in the most accurate and effective way. But as I went throughout my own practice being a naturopathic physician, uh, you know, I realized I was covering a lot of territory that other people really hadn't um, covered. And while I certainly knew... Uh, low-carb and, and insulin, uh, there were so many other things to consider, such as integrative lab work and environmental detoxification and, and using supplements and integrative care to reverse, you know, diabetic complications. And given my um, expertise and experience, I really felt that my it was really time to write my book, which wound up being you know five hundred pages, and I think is the most comprehensive book on diabetes, which discusses conventional but everything really to do with integrative care uh, of a diabetic, and I think it's applicable also to pre-diabetic patients. 
Well, you know, you know, I do agree with you. A lot of books, when they're talking about diabetes, they talk about, you know, diet, um, which is uh, important. But you go into way more detail than that, which I think is helpful for people where that um, hasn't worked or they've, you know, something's not working right for them and they have to take it a step further. Yeah, and also I think, unfortunately, a lot of type 1 patients kind of get put to the side because few people who write about diabetes are comfortable with insulin and dosing kids and, and, you know, with the type 1 patients and some of the things that are particular to them. So having, you know, putting type 1 in the title was very important um, because I think some of these patients think it's all about, you know, diabetic books are all just about losing weight, which, of course, the majority of our diabetic patients are generally overweight type 2s, but type 1s need their own care for not just insulin, but how do they protect themselves from diabetic complications and what supplements should they be taking and and how do they work, you know, with uh, stress and environmental disease to, you know, to help, you know, to make their health better. So, um, we, yeah, I really wanted to cover both of the major types of diabetes. You know, I definitely agree with you there. When we talk about diabetes, I think most people go to type 2, um, which I guess I'll have you explain in a moment. But it, it's, um, you know, type 1 is, is there and was, was there first. And and um, they are different, the, you know. And maybe I'll just get you to explain how they're different sure. so people can understand why that's important. Um, that, you know, you have to talk about both because the treatment is, is obviously different for both of them. Well, you know, a bit, yes, but, you know, type 2 diabetes, which is 90 to 95% of people with diabetes, is based on the condition called insulin resistance, which is where, in general, at least early on, these patients do produce insulin, but the cells that respond to insulin and are the signal to take glucose in from the blood and put it into body cells, they no longer respond to the insulin signals and do not take the glucose in. That's called insulin resistance, and it's due to many factors. Over time, uh, if the blood sugars are high enough in type 2s, they can actually cause enough damage to their pancreas that it no longer produces insulin, and they will need to go on insulin themselves. Um, but type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease whereby the body, for some reason, well, the body has a gene, so it's got to start with that, but then for some reason that gene turns on and as a result, um, given some stimuli, uh, some triggers, uh, the body starts attacking the pancreas and destroys enough of it that it cannot it's beta cells that cannot produce insulin now. And so with insulin being required to take glucose out of the cells uh, and put it, uh, take it out of the blood and put it in the cells, um, these people do need to generally be on insulin. Some type 1s, if they're on a restrictive diet at first, may have a very long honeymoon period where their kind of pancreas kicks in again. But generally by puberty, uh, because of other factors, pretty much all of them need to be placed on insulin at that time. 
Okay, so um, what I, I, I guess you, the the next question is what are the risk factors for diabetes? And obviously, for type one, we know it's genetic, and that that um, happens. Um, but what about type two diabetes? Are there certain risk factors that we can look out for for that? Yeah, sure. You know what? Let me just let me just add on that there is a kind when we think type one, we mainly think pediatric kids, but there is a type one that can also happen to adults as well, which we call latent autoimmune diabetes of the adult or LADA. I just wanted to clarify that. But as for the risk factors for diabetes, and let's say if we're talking about type 2 diabetes, there are a number of risk factors. Some of the most obvious ones are abdominal obesity or at least abdominal overweight, which is having fat cells uh, in what we call the visceral fat there in the tummy, the beer belly type, the apple, um, you know, type of, of, of body type. And fat in that area uh, definitely causes the development of insulin resistance. We have associations with diet, such as overeating, eating too many refined carbohydrates, white sugars, eating badly so that the diet lacks certain nutrients that help the body not become insulin resistant, such as a lack of omega-3, a lack of zinc, a lack of chromium, just lacks of nutrients in the diet because we're eating too much you know, junk food or fast food or processed foods that are lacking in these nutrients. Obviously, a lack of exercise um, so that the excess food calories will turn into the head abdominal fat. Um, We also have environmental chemicals, and this is a huge thing that is not talked about enough. Even the World Health Association says that arsenic causes insulin resistance. And there are clear studies showing that persistent organic pollutants are considered endocrine disruptors and that they absolutely cause insulin resistance at our cells. And if this is a huge problem, given the amount of pesticides and herbicides that are sprayed, you know, all over the world, uh, you know, including America, Canada, so forth. So there's also sometimes we have hormone out of balance in our bodies. Um, uh, You know, there's just a, a, a number of different factors that can all come together a sleep apnea, which tends to go with the stomach, but that can raise the blood sugar, that can raise the appetite. We might be getting into some indirect causes, but some of the ones I mentioned are the the major causes. So um, do we know, and we're going to talk more about, about all of those, but do we know why this is becoming such an em- epidemic, why there's so much diabetes going on? Well, I think one thing we do have a we have more and more people who, for whatever in their lives, I mean, they they don't cook at home, uh, you know, and uh, they just eat out, and they're so we have a lot of people eating out, 
high calorie, very high processed foods with low nutrients in them. We have people wanting to sit all the time at their computers instead of getting out and walking and exercising, and the environmental toxicities. Uh, those are, you know, I, that's a question I owe. I ask every single patient walking in the door, do you use a typical exterminator? And most people, of course, say yes. And the next question is, are they actually spraying uh, not just outside but in your home? And there are people who, uh, you know, allow exterminators to spray these chemicals in their home, let alone, uh, you know, just plastic water bottles and cooking and storing and fragrances, all these ways that chemicals are being, uh, ex- we're being exposed to and they're causing problems. So, I mean, there's just some just laziness, I guess, and lack of exercising, sedentary lifestyle, uh, the diet, you know, getting away from home-cooked meals uh, or, you know, with organic food and, you know, the environmental problems. So it's um, definitely an epidemic not just in North America but around the world. Well, you know, I, I I agree with you. Last week we actually did a show on um, Monsanto, and we were talking about you know how this is the uh, Roundup is sprayed on all our foods and and the problems that that that's causing. Um, and I've done several shows on um, the chemicals in our homes. You know, the yeah. the thousands of unregulated chemicals that we're dealing with every day, and the you know women put over a hundred on their bodies just getting ready in the morning. And uh, we've we've we're, we don't understand the repercussions, and I think we're starting to see some of that in in illnesses like this and the other chronic illnesses that are cropping up that that weren't there, you know, a few decades ago that we weren't dealing with at all. Well, I agree, and I also like or, uh, that's so that's so uh, that's so great that you're doing those shows, and uh, it, uh, and it relates totally to diabetes, even with certain things like GMOs, or all the you know when we look at the gut health, um, the gut health has a lot to do with insulin resistance systemically, and also autoimmunity. You know, they did studies showing that they were able to see leaky gut. In, in kids who had um, di- uh, autoimmune antibodies to diabetes but were not yet clinically showing the disease, they already saw that they, their guts had in, um, intestinal permeability. We also know that the gut can make a lot of inflammatory um, endotoxins that can go systemically and make insulin resistance. So, you know, many of these foods that we eat with chemicals, aside from the chemi- you know, the, themselves, just the damage to the gut, the antibiotics, the NSAIDs, you know, the ibuprofens, the, the things that people take and um, it, uh, it also can be so harmful to the gastrointestinal tract. Uh, and that can lead to both autoimmune disease and insulin resistance type 2. Well, you know, it, it, not only that, but how much um, it, gut health is ignored in mainstream medicine. I mean, anybody who's in the side that you and I are in, we know we start with gut health and we work on diet and we take probiotics and we do all those things. But when you just are going to your conventional doctor, they're not 
they say, you know, your, your diet's not that big of a deal and they don't even talk about probiotics and maybe they'll give you some antibiotics to see if that will help whatever is going on. And then we've got this cascade of inflammation and symptoms continuing and, down uh, that road. And don't forget PPIs, <laughs> proton pump inhibitors, handed out yeah. like candy that people are on for years. You know, uh, just really, uh, you're right, you're right. Um, you know, I mean, the main diet advocated by both the American Diabetes Association and the Canadian Diabetes Association is not, you know, is not a diet that's going to help people with diabetes. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, it's just, you know, it just spins your head around, you know. Yeah, I definitely agree. We're going to talk more about it after this break. We're talking today with Dr. Mona Morstein, and we're discussing her book, Master Your Diabetes, and we'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Dr. Mona Morstein. She is the author of Master Your Diabetes, a comprehensive, integrative approach for both type 1 and type 2 diabetes. So, um, Mona, one thing, um, you know, we're talking about the risk factors for diabetes. And um, 
One of the main things that we all know is diet, and you you did touch on that. What changes can people make if they think that they're going in that direction? Um, I mean, you don't have to have diabetes or pre-diabetic. I know I I have a high risk for diabetes because it is in my family, so I take precautions. So what can people, what changes can people make so that they um, can, can make, well, what changes can people make? Well, I think the first thing, I mean, the core basic foundational change in a patient with diabetes is going to a low-carb diet. There was an interesting article written by Dr. Richard Feynman, including Dr. Bernstein and 25, you know, other, you know, PhD, MDs, very highly renowned throughout the world on dietary carbohydrate restriction as the first approach in diabetes management. And um, this was printed in Nutrition Magazine. There are really hundreds of other studies showing the benefits of low carb. And the reason we need to do low carb is that really a one-sentence definition of diabetes is that the patient has lost the metabolic capacity to process carbohydrates by having either insulin resistance or, or low or no insulin production. And so uh, if you can't process something, honestly, it just needs to be restricted. And the low-carb diet is the, is the first and most foundational change and effective benefit that a person can do uh, for their diabetes. I mean, literally, literally, uh, blood pressure can, or excuse me, blood glucose, excuse me, can drop a hundred points in a week. Uh, you know, going from just eating a regular diet or having oatmeal for breakfast or something, you know, into eating low carb. And not only that, another benefit to the low carb is not just making it so much easier to get blood sugars under control, but by doing that, the insulin resistance decreases so substantially that appetite control is reinvigorated because appetite is based on chemicals and hormones and when you're insulin resistant in your brain cells we don't really get the signals that oh I'm full I'm done that's enough food and when we go low carb again even within this week my patients come back saying you know what this diet isn't so bad I'm not that hungry just eating this much is fine um, because not only are there, when their glucose comes down, their insulin resistance comes down, their appetite gets under control, and then, of course, they start losing weight. So it's, it's just so win-win. Uh, but, and then with the low-carb, though, we like, you know, this whole foods, organic, low-carb diet. So there's a lot of energy about teaching uh, the quality of the food eaten. And another thing to really be focused on is that when a physician says, oh, you know, you can't have any bread or rice or rolls or oatmeal or popcorn or, you know, the patient's world in their head starts shrinking and getting very narrow. And so it's very important for the physician to have handouts and 
um, and and um, alternative things for them to eat, like teaching them to to make breads and rolls and the muffins with nut flours or coconut flours, and teaching them that you know, or even cauliflower. I've got a good cauliflower bread recipe. So it's it's removing one thing, but then focusing on on everything else they can eat under this diet that can mimic and their old diet and bring enjoyment to them. And by make, adding all of these new, exciting, tasty foods into their diet, which fit a low-carb diet idea, this is how we can educate and bring success and joy to this diet change, which is generally a pretty substantial change for most patients. So um, I just want to confirm what you mean by low carb. I mean, there's a lot of talk about this, but what exactly, what foods are people going to be eliminating when they're doing this? Well, low carb, generally, most of us are saying that the definition of low carb is generally at least under 50 grams, uh, down to 30 grams, even down to 5 or 10 grams for some people depending on which low-carb diet they choose. Um, Low-carb, in general, as I said, the main group to remove is the grains. So this is, if it's made by a grain, if it's a pancake or a tortilla, or if it's rice or bread or crackers or pasta or oatmeal, all of those have to go. Potatoes have to go, right? These are beans, most beans have to go. Um, now, um, and so the other foods that they can have are all the low-carb grain alternatives, proteins um, such as meat and poultry, um, nuts and seeds, organic soy, eggs and fish and dairy and protein powders, um, all vegetables, Generally, with fruit, we're very, you know, if, if they want to have, of course, avocados or cucumbers or olives, which are considered in the fruit family, um, that's fine. Some tomatoes are fine. Uh, but in terms of actual fruits, there are some patients who can have, like, a little berries at lunch, um, but we have to watch that, that, um, you know, can raise the blood sugar um, for others. Um, there are some artificial sweeteners that are healthy. Uh, fats, of course, people can eat a lot of fat and fatty foods because fats never, um, never turn into really glucose on a, in, in general eating. Uh, so those are kind of what we're looking at as uh, rough, you know, dietary beverages. There's a lot of beverages from water and teas and herbal teas and unsweetened alternative milks and some veggie juices um, can be okay, fizzy water, coffee, um, alternative coffee. There are some healthy soda pops like Zevias, um, you know, a little alcohol, unless a person has a fatty liver, but otherwise alcohol, many people think alcohol turns into blood sugar, but it doesn't. You know, so a glass of wine or a shot of whiskey, if 
anything can lower the blood sugar. So, um, you know, these are the kind of, it's a whole, it's a whole foods, healthy diet, um, where foods that break down to carbohydrates the most, those, those are removed. So I know, um, when someone's first diagnosed with uh, type 2 diabetes, how does what you're recommending uh, differ from what their doctor is recommending? Well, first of all, most of my patients don't get any dietary advice. They come in on medications, and when their blood sugars aren't you know, well-controlled, they get more medications. If they get a chance, I've had patients who ask their physician to set them up with a nutritionist, and they still never got referred to one. But if they are, it depends. Is the registered dietitian in the box or out of the box? If they're in the box, they follow the American Diabetes Association diet. Now, even though in their 2013 guidelines they discussed a low-carb diet, on their basic website, they're still... Um, wanting people to eat a high carb meal or high carb meals and snacks. And so if they go to a registered dietitian that is following what the head organization of diabetes is recommending, they're going to eat, be eating, you know, how many patients will come in and they'll eat oatmeal for breakfast because it's whole grains, low fat, still working off of this old archaic paradigm that fats are bad for people with diabetes. And so this is a, you know, this is a problem. Um, it's a very big problem. We have to kind of undo, uh, if they've had any education, oftentimes we have to undo it. But most patients are not getting very much, um, uh, are, are not getting much n- nutritional guidance at all. You know, that... Um, I would say that I'm I'm shocked, but I, I I know that this is what happens, and overall I I find it um, pretty sad because it is the diet that is leading people with type two diabetes to that point where they are, and obviously they need help with changes because that is something they probably don't even understand how to change. I mean, maybe they'll eliminate sugar if if they have that inclination, but that doesn't mean that they're going to do the rest of what you you said, you know, the, even the fruit and the the a lot of the carbs and um, looking at adding in the nutrients that they've been missing. That's exactly correct, right? So, you know, they'll come in and... Uh, you know, they really want, you know, our people nowadays, they want to take control of their health. They don't really want to be on many medications or if any, and yet it's very frustrating. Um, in, um, you know, we've got these very short office visits um, of 8 to 10 minutes. People basically get their A1C measured and their endocrinologist says, oh, it's, you know, eight, you're doing fine, see you in three months, where eight is an inordinately high A1C, well into the range of, you know, cause diabetic complications. But, you know, their 10 minutes is up, and it's not like I'm um, trying to be cynical. There's a lot of good about conventional medicaid, um, you know, conventional medicine. Uh, you know, they, they do a lot of good, but in this chronic disease setting, 
I think we have the right to offer some criticisms about the, how the service is set up in the care. Um, yeah, I definitely agree with you now, especially when we're talking about some of the other things that you talked about, like when we, if we go back to the, the topic about chemicals, I mean, that's never talked about, um, that, that this could be an issue. And, um, even when you're saying the world health organization is recognizing that some of it is contributing to, um, the diabetes and the multiple other health problems that we're having from them. Um, can you just tell us how somebody can recognize, I mean, it might be difficult for them to recognize this is causing a problem, but how they can make those changes in their home so they're not exposed? Yes, absolutely. Um, So, I mean, just some basic, basic steps. You know, one, never have anything with fragrance. Not your trash bags, not little plug-in fragrances, not your dryer sheets fragrances, those chemicals are some of the worst chemicals that are out there. Most communities nowadays do have, you know, organic exterminators. Like the one for my house, he uses peppermint oil. Now, make sure that your exterminator doesn't say, oh, no, our chemical is from chrysanthemums. Yeah, they take chrysanthemums and turn them into pyrethrins, very toxic chemicals. So there's a lot of misdirection. You want a truly green exterminator. You also want to make sure that we're getting rid of the plastics, right? So we're not, you know, we're certainly not cooking with plastics like in a microwave. Ideally, storing your foods in glass containers, getting non-plastic water bottles, um, just trying to clean the plastics which leach these estrogenic, you know, you know, simulator uh, chemicals um, into our foods. We want to, those are simple things to do. If you're going to refurbish your home, you know, no VOC paint. You know, don't get carpeting and carpet glue or get it organic. You know, just try to get your house clean and green as well. You know, the cleaning supplies. Try to clean out the chemicals. Your toiletries, try to get them organic, you know, or from, uh, you know, very green type of chemical companies or, or I should say cosmetic companies. You know, just these simple um, little steps can start having some pretty overall effects. The other thing is, you know, there's a great study showing this is what um, I'm a huge advocate of perspiration, of sweating, sweating when you exercise and even in saunas. Ideally, whether you have a sauna at your gym or you get a home sauna. Um, But we know scientifically that we can sweat out environmental chemicals and heavy metals. It'll come throughout through the sweat. And yet so often nowadays people almost shy away from sweating or getting sweaty or you know, they'll want to work out where it's cool so they don't sweat or something like that. But we need, you know, if not daily and many days of the week to be getting a good sweat that, you know, if you work out, wear enough clothes so you're always sweating. You're drenching your top. 
And then otherwise, if you go to the gym or hop in the sauna for 20 minutes, as long as your physician doesn't think there's any reason that it's unsafe for you. But this is one of our first ways to detox is to just regularly be, you know, making ourselves sweat. Well, um, I did a show um, on the book Toxin Talks Out, and we talked about toxins, and and they did a self-study on saunas, and they found that that was actually one of the most effective ways to get the the everyday toxins we're exposed to out of our bodies. That's so what uh, I'm saying, it's true. Yeah, it and it's true. very easy these days to get a personal one at home. You don't have to build a room anymore. So, um, you know, it's definitely a good recommendation for anybody um, and, and very accessible. Yeah, it really is. And there's few things, you know, more beneficial to your life nowadays in this toxic world. Uh, than uh, a good perspiration. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. We're talking to Dr. Mona Morstein about her book, Master Your Diabetes, and we'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. 
Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Dr. Mona Morstein about her book, Master Your Diabetes. Um, so what, one thing I want to uh, discuss is how people can get diagnosed with diabetes. We didn't get to that in the beginning. And I, I think that's important so people know um, just what to look out for as well. Well, uh, you know, diagnose, getting diagnosed with diabetes relies generally on two main measurements. One is blood sugar, both fasting and after eating, and also then what we call the A1C, which is monitors where a person's blood sugar has been on average over the last three months. Generally, on labs, over uh, from 100 to 125 fasting glucose, uh, and just divide that by 18, I guess, for Canadian. But um, <laughs> that's the diagnosis for prediabetes, and 126 and above is for diabetes. The problem is, is that the fasting glucose really should be around 80 to 85. By the time someone is in the 90s, or, I mean, if someone comes to me and their glucose is 97, you know, I'm not going to say, well, that's fine because it's not 100, right? We can already catch it earlier and start making changes before we get it any worse, right? So any, you know, you start getting into the 90s, the upper 90s, this is your early warning sign before you actually become pre-diabetic. This, with the A1C, pre-diabetes is from 5.7 to 6.4, and diabetes is at 6.5 or above. The problem is the studies show that an A1C over 5.5 is already causing damage to the body. So, you know, there's, so by 5.6, even though you're not even diabetic by nature, you're having damage to the body. By 5.7 to 6.4, the physician may be saying, well, you're not, you're doing okay, you know, you're not a diabetic, but you're having damage to your body, which is why when diabetic patients finally get diagnosed with diabetes, oftentimes already they have some nerve disease developing or have some other problems developing complications because of this lower non-diabetic level has already been damaging their body. So I think physicians who practice naturopathic or integrative care, you know, we have to be a lot more aggressive in working with patients who are having the earliest signs possible and working with them through diet and supplementation and all and environment and the gut and all these other ways to really start preventing things from spinning out of control even before people get any formal diagnoses. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, it it definitely does. I mean, um, why would you want to cross that line into having diabetes if you can prevent it? Which is where I am in my life, knowing that it's in my family. I take a lot of precautions to um, make sure I don't even go down that road. Yeah, you know, it's it's that's very smart. You know, that is really very smart. Uh, you know, I had there every now and then you get some lean diet type twos who they're type two and all, you know, all throughout their family and then they just get into drinking a lot of 
soda pop or energy drinks full of sugar, and bam, you know, they just become a diabetic even though they're not necessarily very overweight, but because it was so in their family that just drinking those drinks, you know, set them off, right? So when you have a high risk factor in your family, being wise and and engaging common sense is definitely uh, the best methodology. Um, well, I definitely agree, and I hope that this show can bring that awareness to people if they're um, if they're diabetic, if it can help them. But if they're pre-diabetic or um, just want to avoid where you know over fifty percent of the population has already headed, um, that we can make those changes um, beforehand so that we can change those statistics. Yes, exactly. I agree with you so strongly. Um, so, is there when you give this advice to people? Do you get a lot of um, people in their head thinking that this is going to be too difficult for them? And how do you help them get over that thought process? Well, um, I do that one by having a lot of really helpful handouts. So it's not you don't. I mean, I just don't look at someone in the eye and say, "Don't eat," you know, grains and eat some nut flowers. But I have. I mean, my basic diet handout is like eight pages long where we go over every category of food. I have a second page of resources, books and websites with really cool recipes and, you know, so that they've got in their hand usable information, uh, you know, kind of step-by-step of how to make changes, right? So they, when they, when people um, have the explanation and then have the data that they need to make the changes, you know, it really seems like it's a lot easier to embrace than if you're just sitting at your desk and writing down low carb, you know, on a piece of paper and giving it to them. Um, so it, I all, you know, so we do. I mean, my first office visit with a patient's an hour and a half, and you know, the second visit is can be up to two hours doing all of the treatment. So it's not an eight-minute, you know, visit, right? And this is how we get people really becoming successful in taking ownership of their diabetes protocol. Well, I think that's an important word is is taking ownership because I know a lot of time people, um, not just with diabetes, but with other illnesses are going to their doctor and blindly taking medications and hoping for that quick fix that that we think exists, but actually doesn't exist anywhere. And and we're just hoping that's going to happen for us. It's true. It's true. You know, at this point... um, you know, people have to, like, you know, they do have to take ownership. And when they do, you know, as we write, you know, diet, you know, you can have victory over diabetes. It doesn't have to wear you down and give you, you know, shorten your life and give you complications. You can become the master over it and live as long as, you know, live your healthy, normal lifespan just by making these changes that now you need to follow. And the other thing is, even in the first week, 
suddenly by the second week, patients feel so much better. Their energy is better. Their head is clearer. Their appetite's better. I mean, they, they just start feeling better. And that, of course, is the feedback that they need to see and that I know will solidify the value of the treatment, uh, in, you know, into their lives. Um, well, I definitely agree, and I know one uh, another part of your treatment, aside from the diet, is some supplements. So what changes can people make there to help themselves? Yeah, I think, you know, the thing to remember about supplements is that everybody, right, wants that magic bullet, the idea being, oh, I don't have to change anything, I'll just take some alpha lipoic acid. Well, no, supplements are not drugs. So they work, that's what we call them, supplements. They supplement the key aspects of a protocol in this regard, say, diet and exercise and the healing the gut and environmental detoxification and making sure there's no sleep apnea and treating. I mean, you know, all of these key aspects will be synergistically benefited, you know, by some extra supplements. Supplements can obviously replenish nutrient deficiencies and we know nutrient deficiencies exist in people with diabetes, help with the mood, they can help low lipid levels, they can help lower blood pressure, they can help uh, regulate glucose, they can help um, their antioxidants, their anti-inflammatories, and oxidative damage is based on oxidative stress and inflammatory chemicals. So they, these supplements do so much for people with diabetes. And I think everybody should be on a very good multiple vitamin, which is almost never a one-a-day. You know, there your integrative physician, I'm sure, has a very good, uh, you know, maybe you need to take six a day, but now you're going to be really repleting all of the vitamins and minerals. I think people with diabetes should be on fish oils. Uh, to get in those omega-3 oils. I think they should take um, alpha-lipoic acid, curcumin. I think they should take some Gymnema sylvester, which is called uh, the sugar destroyer in India and um, is one of our best herbs for decreasing cravings for carbohydrates. Um, Alpha-lipoic acid is a great antioxidant and also helps reduce insulin resistance. Uh, Same with turmeric, curcumin, um, great antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, and reduces insulin resistance. Uh, A little bilberry for the eyes, uh, you know, for sometimes we're just kind of giving some ideas of protection uh, just for certain areas of the body. Um, also, I think, oh, gosh, green tea extract is good. A little extra vanadium and chromium and zinc, some of the three key minerals for blood sugar regulation. Um, oh, benfotiamine is an amazing fat-soluble thiamine that's been shown to help reverse complications and uh, both in the kidneys, in the eyes, in the nerves. 
that's a very good thing to take. So if they're asking me to, you know, pick and choose, um, you know, various um, supplements, I would be, you know, some people do um, chromium, I guess. Um, That's fine. But I think um, the other ones are a little bit more what I'm thinking about. Oh, I left, I think, no, I left one out, berberine. Berberine uh, is amazing and has been shown to be equal to metformin um, in helping to reduce insulin resistance and help uh, regulate glucose numbers in type 2 diabetics. Um, So, you know, these are the main ones off the top of my head that I do think all people type 1 or type 2 should be on with diabetes. Um, well, I think that's a really good starting point, and anybody who um, who is a, affected, I think they should pick up your book, um, and if you can let us know if there's any other way people can get a hold of you to get more information. Yeah, um, again, my book is easily, you can get it uh, on Amazon, uh, just Mona Morstein and Master Your Diabetes, if you just put that, then it's fine, there's you know, the, uh, the comprehensive integrative approach to, for type 1 and type 2 diabetes. My website is azimsolutions.com, azimsolutions.com. My phone is 480-284-8155. I'm in Tempe, uh, Arizona. Um, uh, thank you, Rebecca, for this wonderful uh, interview. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. I think this was a really good show, and anybody who wants more information, I, I recommend that you do pick up um, the, this book. It has, as she said, 500 or so pages of information, which you're not going to find a lot of this anywhere else. So um, please pick up the book. It's called Master Your Diabetes, a Comprehensive Integrative Approach for Both Type 1 and Type 2 Diabetes. And and. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me, and I want to thank everybody for listening today. Be sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.